I'm Ava Hartling. Welcome to The Brand is Female. Canadian author Margaret Atwood famously said, powerful men are known as born leaders and powerful women as an anomaly. I created The Brand is Female to help change that perception. So on this show, every week I speak to inspiring women about their journey to unlocking their own potential. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe to our podcast on the platform of your choice and give us a good rating, ideally five stars. It really makes a big difference. You can follow us on Instagram at thebrandisfemale and visit thebrandisfemale.com. This week, we're doing things a little differently. We have two guests. They are Caroline Platter and Stephanie Kirsta, co-founders of Home, H-O-A-M-E, a meditation and mindfulness space in downtown Toronto. They both studied psychology in university and went on to post-grad training in mental health and addiction. Caroline and Stephanie were clinical roles in hospital, academic, and community settings, and they both became increasingly concerned by the growing mental health crisis and realized that much of what they were seeing clinically was a direct result of our modern stress-filled lifestyle. With home, Caroline and Stephanie want to inspire a lifestyle movement and space where taking care of ourselves is accepted and celebrated. They have a beautiful space on Adelaide, which features meditation rooms, a salt cave, an infrared sauna, and more. I'm Stephanie Karsta, co-founder of Home. Carolyn Platter, co-founder of Home. I always had an interest in, so I studied psychology. I did my undergrad in psychology, and it really was a big shift from what I was really interested in when I was younger. I was kind of more creative when I was younger. I was really into, like, beauty and fashion and I kind of thought I was going to go that route mm. I didn't really know what I want I wanted to be a dermatologist but like on the cosmetic <laughs> side then I really wanted to do something with like cosmetics and beauty and and then I I did my undergrad and I took intro psych and I loved it like I absolutely loved it and I just found that I was always that person in my friend group that people would just tell their story to or I would go to a party or I'd go on the bus or whatever and there's always this joke that I would end up leaving with a friend and, <laughs> and I would know their whole story and so I felt that you know it, it, it kind of just spoke with me that I just kind of love the field of psychology and interestingly enough I wanted to go into research and so in my undergrad I was really interested in doing the research I did some research when I worked at or I volunteered at CAMH and I didn't like it. Mm. And so then I started volunteering on an inpatient floor. And I loved it. I loved working with people. I loved connecting with people. And and then I was hooked. And then I ended up kind of going on to do my master's. I did mm. a postgraduate certificate in addictions and mental health counseling. And then I found That's Carolyn. We <laughs> yeah, so we were both actually working at a methadone clinic, an addiction clinic. Okay. And so very similar stuff. I did my undergraduate degree in psych. And then I, and same thing, like I, I loved English when I first started uh, in the field. I was an English major. Uh, I thought I was going to go into law mm. originally or teaching. And which is sort of funny enough because we did end up getting into teaching together. Hmm. Um, but when I finished my undergraduate degree, my mom's a nurse and she was working at an addiction clinic, a methadone clinic. And this was really kind of the rise of the opiate crisis mm, that we're right. having, that we're still kind of in here in, in Canada. Yeah. And so I was so fascinated by addictions and why people have addictions and sort of what that that means to somebody and how to help somebody through that. Mm. So when I was in my undergrad, I actually started 
doing an, like a little bit of research. I started volunteering at the clinic. And then that sort of, then I was hooked. I was like, I changed my major to psychology. I got super interested in the addiction field. I did my postgraduate degree in addictions and mental health. And then I did my master's in social work with a clinical focus in mental health and mm -hmm. addictions. Mm -hmm. And so when I was working at the clinic, that's when Steph and I very first met, clicked, uh, started running some groups together. And then once we both left the clinics, then that's how this all became. I think the idea originally came, like was sort of born out of us working together. So mm -hmm. we started a company called Ease. And originally we, we called it Ease because we wanted to help people live like easier lives. Okay. That was sort of the, the, under, like, the idea behind it. Uh, and so we started doing a lot of just education and training. And so again, as Steph is like has a interest in research, mm -hmm. so do I. I've done quite a bit of research in the addiction field, and we've always sort of looked at what is the science behind things, what is helpful, what is beneficial to people. And so when we first started our corporate consulting and just education, we wanted to just sort of spread the word about mental health and, and addiction work. And so we were both literally just training, and we went and we started at a co-sharing space and we put up a little website. We got trained in mental health first aid and a suicide training and just started offering it to people. Anyone mm. who wanted to come were just like, come get this training. And it was from there that we started to realize and started to pick up on the fact that stress is sort of this epidemic mm -hmm. right now. People are super overwhelmed, the city, particularly in Toronto, but I think elsewhere, mm -hmm. where go, go, go all the time. It's a big hustle and bustle. It's a very stress-induced work pace that we all run at. Mm -hmm. And so we started to weave into our trainings a little bit of sort of self-care, talking about wellness, talking about how to take care of ourselves in sort of this hectic, stressful world. That led to both of us getting really excited about meditation and mindfulness mm. practice and yoga and all these sort of holistic alternative therapies, but really looking at them with a scientific lens mm -hmm. and finding out like, what does the research say? How are these helpful for mental health? And so it was that love really that as we were doing this corporate consulting and other wellness and public trainings, we were like, we need a space for this. Mm -hmm. Like, wouldn't it be great to have an office or instead of lugging like our little rolly with like materials in it and renting a co-sharing space, what if we had our own workshop? And people yeah. would come to you. And people would come to yeah. us. Mm -hmm. And that was the first start. And it was literally around like her kitchen table one day that we started truly just dreaming mm -hmm. of what a beautiful space could look like and we could house all of these loves that we had. And so Steph has done quite a bit of travel and she was, you know, again, with her mindfulness background and interest was like, you know, there's these places that are becoming a little bit more, you know, these hubs for meditation and mindful mm. practice. And we're like, what if we took that concept of bringing meditation and mindfulness to the city, but mm. then added to it sort of the clinical piece that we have. Mm -hmm. And so that was how the sort of seeds of it kind of were formed was that we see ourselves as we describe it as a modern meditation studio but we're really beyond that. Yeah, we yeah. are a hub for all things health and we like to sort of explore sort of some of the more, we call them the fringe, sort of more alternative treatments, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but from a scientific lens. Right. And showing people why this can be helpful, why it's beneficial. So give me some examples of the the, the treatments on, on the fringe side. Yeah, so, I mean, even just like creating the space, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, was, was something like the different rooms that we had, the meditations, but then in terms of the workshopping is like we have a crystals class, for right, instance. Right. You know, and we pair that with a little glass of champagne and you <laughs> learn about crystals, but it's a fun, accessible way for people to learn about something like energy work and stones and crystals. Mm -hmm 
in a way that makes it accessible to people. Mm-hmm. And we look at, so that crystal workshop that we love and people really have kind of responded really well to it, we look at kind of some of the research behind it. And so the person who teaches the crystal workshop, she's a lawyer who's also an energy healer. Oh, and so she marries kind of her Eastern and Western philosophies yeah. and kind of that, that critical eye from law, but then also, you know, that, that belief mm-hmm. that kind of, you know, leads her energy work as well. Mm, that's yeah. super interesting. Yeah. So Stephanie, tell me about your mindfulness training, your, your background in, in mindfulness. Yeah. So I started studying mindfulness. So when I did my uh, postgraduate certificate in one of the classes, we just, the, the, the professor incorporated meditation. And so for the last half hour of every class, we started meditating. And I still to this day remember the first time I meditated because like sat there and I'm a little bit like extra when it comes to things like when I like something I really like you something go I go all the way <laughs> and so like in my head I'm like meditating and I'm like sitting so like straight and like loving it for like the first probably two minutes yeah. <laughs> and I'm like I really like this this is really cool and then by the end of like I think it was probably 20 minutes the first time I, I don't think I meditated at all because right. I designed a meditation nook in my house because like I was like all about it but I remember just being like there's something to this mm. and so I would always when getting really stressed out I would kind of go back to my breath and and then I went on to do extra kind of training extra kind of education in Mm. it so um all through like all through my master's is when I did a lot of stuff like a a lot of training in meditation and I always say like I I was really into meditation before it got cool because I feel like right now it can be a little bit trendy yes Mm -hmm. um but I remember I was running a mindful eating group like 10 years ago mm. um and looking at kind of the the principles behind a mindful practice so and talking about mindful eating and I think a lot mm-hmm. of listeners are yeah. not necessarily familiar with what that means yeah so mindful eating is um it's a practice where you eat with all of your senses so I always like to compare it kind of to wine tasting mm-hmm. right so you know when you're mm-hmm. when you're really tasting wine you're you're looking at the color and you're swishing it around and you're kind of really smelling it mm-hmm. and all of that happens before you taste it and so what mindful eating kind of like the, the premise behind mindful eating is to just really slow down mm-hmm. and be fully present because so often we are on autopilot and we're go 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 and so you know we're eating in front of the tv we're eating in our cars we're not really just kind of putting a ritual around mm. eating mm-hmm. um and so we lose so much of the satisfaction mm. even just kind of food preparation and just kind of taking a moment to just be grateful that we have food in front of us that can go a long way in mm. increasing satiety and just making us feel um satisfied and more present with the food that we eat probably three to five times per day right right um and you're I find it very interesting that you're bringing in you know holistic practices Mm -hmm. the energy work and all of that how but you also come from a kind of a you know a medical scientific background um and some practices like I noticed there you know there's palo santo and sage and that you're selling your boutique which is amazing but that's not necessarily always welcome by um you know the the scientific community let's say um how how can those two worlds kind of come together from your point of view and I find it very interesting that you've been able to merge the two Mm -hmm. I mean I think they can really complement each other really nicely and I think that's what 
we've loved about this is to kind of being able to merge sort of the the two the clinical background with some of these more alternative and holistic therapies and mm -hmm. what we aim to do really is one is look at the science behind certain things so we will kind of look at some of the clinical research on different on different um, therapies things like crystals for instance we'll take a look at what the research says um, so that kind of thing I think first is looking at what the science is but then also adding it I think to like as an augment, as an augment. Yeah. because for mm. us it's sort of like if that can make it if it can benefit people right if they feel like it's that sort of extra ad if it's a way of weaving it in again I think that's where we're starting to see a lot of the benefit is like people are coming in perhaps for meditation but then when you're in a meditation and someone gives you an oil mm -hmm. and it just sort of boosts right because we know that certain essential oils right. for instance mm -hmm. can affect mood and so it's a really nice way of starting to like introduce people to something, mm -hmm. right? So they get in because of the meditation or the mindful practice, but then they get this beautiful, let's say a citrus scent or something, and then they leave with this, you know, mood boosting, a little bit of happiness or whatever it might be. It's a way of starting to make people realize that, hey, you know what, these things can be helpful and I tried it mm -hmm. and it worked or it benefited me in some way. And so I think that's what we're trying to do here is just expose people to things, have them try certain things and then see how you feel with it, mm -hmm. right? If it helps, it helps. If it not, then, you know, there's other things and there's other practices. I think our clinical background has really lent ourselves to that mindset as well. Like we're both practicing mental health clinicians, like Carolyn, mm -hmm. um, we're both registered psychotherapists, Claren Carolyn's a clinical social worker. We still have a clinical practice. Right. Like, um, and so I think a lot of that kind of client centered point of view that we've been you know, it's been ingrained in us in school yeah. mm -hmm. has allowed us to do that because, mm -hmm. you know, if someone comes to the clinic and someone sees me and they found something that really, really works for them, that's great. I'm mm -hmm. going to continue to encourage that. Right? right. And I think we we're in a unique position being psychotherapists is that we can kind of straddle both realms mm -hmm. a little bit. And so, you know, we do understand the whole medical side of things and the scientific side of things. And we, we approach everything from an evidence-based perspective, mm -hmm, right. but we can also appreciate some of the more lifestyle factors that mm -hmm. are now starting to have a massive research base behind them. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, tell me a little bit about your role models and it, maybe it was growing up, maybe it was when you mm -hmm. started actually working uh, in your in your fields. Um, was there somebody who inspired you or who you looked up to or who really kind of helped you choose maybe what your career path was going to be? I mean, I think I always go, my first and foremost was always my, my mother. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So my mom has always had, it's so interesting, my mom's background as well. So she's a mm. registered nurse. And so she's always been in the helping field. And that's something I always looked up to. And ever since we were really, really young, like we were always volunteering at the food bank or at blood banks or other kinds of things when we could. And she would always kind of expose us to, to those types of helping. But that was also really interesting with my mom. Her father was a physician, and so they were raised in this very medical, clinical household. Mm. But she always had this passion for these holistic types of treatments. Okay. And so when I was very young, she like, launched this ear candling business. And we always had crystals in random corners of our house. And she um, learned on, about feng shui, and so our furniture was placed in certain like in certain places for certain reasons and to improve energy and so that was something that as a child I was exposed to but always kind of looked at like what is that and mm -hmm. okay mom's just being mom but then as <laughs> I started to get older I was like hmm like maybe there yeah. is something to this and so 
that was something that for me that's just always and she's just also just a beautiful kind-hearted woman mm-hmm. so and a really strong woman as well and so that's been something for me mm-hmm. that has been really inspiring to look at yeah I would say my mom too so my mom um was a director of HR for Scotiabank and she was she worked for years and years and years there probably 20 plus years mm-hmm. um and then something happened in her life and she decided to just kind of give it all up. She's always had a passion for design and she decided to leave at, I want to say like 45. I think she left her job and she was at the bank for years. Mm -hmm. And and for as long as I know, like I would wake up and she would always be at work and then, you know, she worked 12 hour days. She was very, very successful. And then she just decided to give it all up and do interior design. And Mm -hmm. so she, she, she followed that path and, and then she was amazingly successful at that as yeah. well. And mm-hmm. I think she really modeled for me, like, you work. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> success is not luck. It's yeah. a little bit of luck, but I think a lot the of it work. is the work that you put yeah. into it. That's mm-hmm. what. And I remember for as long as I've lived, like, she always would say to me, like, you, if you're going to do anything at all, I don't care what you do, but just do it 100%. Mm-hmm. Like, and there was always this thing, if I ever, like, half-assed something, she'd be like, she'd be like oh, don't be the 50-cent kid. Like, don't get 50% <laughs> of the stuff. Mm-hmm. And so that was it. And I think Mm. that really, you know, when we created this, we were like, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it right. And Mm. I think that mentality of like, give 110%, like give 100% of your time Mm. and your effort and then, and go from there. That's why we went so big. That's why we went big. (laughs) Well, and I was going to ask, so tell me about the path to making home come together. And you you have a large space here. Everything's brand new and it's beautiful. I'm sure it was a a large investment in setting it up. So tell me about kind of your your entrepreneurship path in making this space happen. Yeah, I mean, as I said, it started initially out of this brainstorm one day at her house. And it, we, we started really with the dream. What would this place look like if it could be everything that we wanted it to be? And we really like threw out things like we would have a salt cave in there. We mm. would have a living wall and we would have starry sky, like a stars on the sky. Which you now do, by the way. <laughs> Which for, we do. For people who haven't seen the space. <laughs> and so it sounded so out there, but we took a piece of paper and I always love this, this uh, saying that dreaming is the start of a plan, mm. right? Mm-hmm. You have to dream it first. And so that's how it started. And we would just talk about it and we, we couldn't let it go. We just kept talking about, imagine when we had this space and what it could look like. And then we started talking to a couple more people who then became also part of our, our team. Mm-hmm. And then we were like, okay, maybe we have something here. So we actually started, we put it into a business plan. Mm-hmm. And we were like, you know what? Let's take these ideas, let's put it down, let's actually look at things in a realistic way. We put it in a business plan, we sought out an investor, and that was the first part, really, uh, of building it, was making it become real. Then we started looking for spaces. So then we hired an agent, and this is sort of an interesting story because our first agent that we had hired, we had secured some investments, so we already kind of knew the scope. We had done some preliminary research. We knew sort of what the price was going to be, and of course, anyone who knows anything about commercial real estate in Toronto, it's pricey, Mm -hmm. and we knew that, and we had this agent who really didn't listen, unfortunately, to what our needs were, who didn't seem to take really what we wanted to heart, who was very much, he had actually expressed on many occasions, that's too expensive for you guys, that's too big for you guys, Mm. you're just two young girls, is what we were told um, when we were looking for, for space, and so... That was really, I think, our first sort of shock as we were going around looking at spaces. We're like, what do you mean we're just two young girls? And what does that even mean? (laughs) Right? And so 
We let go of that agent. Yeah, I was going to say, I hope you fired He's no longer. He's no longer. And we found an agent who really believed in us and what mm. we were doing, and that made things infinitely easier. Mm. And then we found this space, and we actually ended up getting a space that was a little bit larger than we originally planned. But it just, because as our vision kept growing, the space kept growing with mm. it. Mm-hmm. So we ended up now with 5,100 square feet here mm-hmm. of dedicated mindful full space. We secured the lease, and then it took us about... A year? A year to actually get it from a total gray space into what it is today. Right. So it was completely gray. Yeah. Like okay. We had to core okay. for plumbing, and it was a big deal. Yeah, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. we learned things. I mean, again, coming from a clinical background, this is not our world, yeah. right? This yeah. sort of, I mean, yes, we've been <laughs> entrepreneurs and running our little sort of consulting gig and, like, running our private clinic, but this was on a magnitude mm. beyond what we had ever dreamed of. And so... Everything from like finding architects to permits to investments to banking to everything. I mean, that was mm. all stuff that we had to learn and had never knew what that was before. Did you have help along the way? Yes. Yeah. We have a great network. Yeah. And that was what we really figured out is that somehow like our core team of like who we work with, I don't even know how they ended up being who they are. Like, I don't know how these people came into our lives, but it almost felt like it was, like, serendipitous that people ended up being the way they were. Like, for example, my husband is a construction manager. He's an engineer. Oh, well, that comes in handy. You're building a new space. (laughs) And here I was naive thinking, like, I'm I'm a bit stubborn. So I'm like, I can do this myself. And then I remember halfway through, he's like, let me help you with this. And so (laughs) that was really helpful. An Mm. amazing friend of ours is a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to be able to do corporate law is, is huge. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of helped us every step of the okay, way. Every contract. He's, mm-hmm. he's in. Yeah. yeah. So, so you pulled from your network. We pulled from our network. Different yeah. expertise. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was a journey. I mean, I always say, I mean. It's a roller coaster. It's a roller coaster. The yeah. highs are, were so high and still are. Yeah. But the lows, I mean, when those happen, it's just like, whoa, we, we didn't know. And there was things that we just didn't know things that were going to pop up or things that were going to happen or timelines were going to get moved mm-hmm. or, you know, all of these things. There was things that were more of a challenge than we had anticipated. And mm-hmm. so it's been, we always joke that, you know, we've, we've earned our education in business now in the yeah. last six months or a year <laughs> yeah. and a half. Yeah. Was there a point where you said, this is not going to work, like the obstacles are too huge. We, you know, we have to give up on a dream. Yeah. Yeah. There was two distinct times I remember. One was you and I at our the other office. Oh, the cry coach. So, because I think the first thing is just cost, is the, is the financial piece. And there's that fear that you're investing so mm-hmm. much dollars into something. And we joke that, like, people, we're going to open the doors and no one's going to come. Yeah. Like, tumbleweeds <laughs> will just roll yeah. around in here. And so it was, I think it was the, the time, I think, when we had realized that we needed a little bit more money. Mm. And we had just invested such a sizable sum. And we were looking at each other and we were like, is this, is this, are we doing something really stupid right now? Like, have we just invested so much money that it will never come back? And do we have the means to get more? Mm-hmm. And we were both of us in tears kind of saying, like, I don't know what we're doing. And then we were in so deep. <laughs> like, it's like, got to keep going yes. that, at that point, you know, that can't give up now. Totally. Because at that point, I mean, if we give up, we're, we've failed 100%. Mm-hmm. And so that was sort of our mindset. It was like, okay, let's try to see what we can do. And we put a pitch together to get a loan. Mm-hmm. And we were able to, to secure that. So I think. That's amazing. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And then the next was when we opened. Oh. Was just all of a sudden yeah. we realized 
we had to run a business. Now, <laughs> imagine that. Oh, hello. <laughs> so everything from, you know, we didn't have cleaners or a towel service or yeah. um, garbage removal. And so that first night after we had opened to the public and we're sitting on the couch out there and we're like, oh my gosh. What did we do? <laughs> what did garbage. We do? How do we go with it? Right? And I remember you pulled out a piece of paper and you're like, just start laying out everything that we need. And so we're just all I love listing. a list. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah, a list come in handy. Yeah. But that was the first, and it was that yeah. fear of we don't have enough staff, we don't have enough mm-hmm. things. Like, what did we do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, when you went to get investors, was it hard, or I mean, even the, the real estate guy, was it hard to convince people about the concept of home and the, the mindfulness space and meditation space? Because not, not everybody's going to yeah. understand what that's about, right? The investors were easier to convince. You put a um, pretty good pitch together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was people, though, we struggled. Like, yeah, the people. Like, for the longest time, like, I think we almost, like, we always joke like a bunch of our friends and family when we had our like friends and family night like look what we did I think everyone was kind of in shock because we didn't really know how to describe what we were doing to people because when we did people looked at us like we had four heads and they were like (laughs) okay like they're there like open your little spot right and so I think for for a lot of people they didn't really they couldn't understand it they couldn't picture it Mm -hmm. and and they couldn't just understand, like, the magnitude of what we were doing and the need for it as well. Mm-hmm. So I wouldn't say, like, I would say, like, friends and family and just kind of colleagues had a harder time with um, kind of understanding it. And I think our first realtor, definitely. Um, but investors, <laughs> yeah, surprisingly, got it right away, which was really good. But I think more friends and family and mm-hmm. Maybe people. actually our landlord, too, which was, because that was something as well that you have to get, that we didn't realize, you have to convince a landlord that you have a viable yeah. business, yeah, right? Yeah, to, long, to land, to lease a space. Totally. Too. So that was something as well. And we were just, yeah, he was right in, like, well, they, they were, were great. They yeah. were really great with it. But yeah, we didn't tell friends and family for a very long time because we struggled with that it sounded lame or the concept Mm. was people wouldn't get it and it required such a larger conversation about, no, it's going to be cool and there's going to be a dark room and a light room and a sauna Mm. and a salt cave and all these things and it was just hard for us. So it was like, let's just wait until Mm. we open and then I think that will convince people once people walk in this Mm -hmm. space you know Mm. and you feel it Mm -hmm. yeah if I could go back I'd put like a camera and just to like capture people's reactions when they Mm -hmm. first walked in because it would have been nice to see yeah it was a whirlwind when we first opened for sure and you opened six months ago six months ago yeah September 20th today actually we had our media preview on September 18th oh congratulations thank Thank you. you so tell me about the reception when you know clients started coming in it was great. Yeah, like, I think, I remember, I think we all, none of us, like, Karen and I especially, but then our kind of other partners have been part of this, we never really talked about, like, what happens if we open and no one shows yeah. up, but I think we were all it's always plagued a fear, by that right? panic. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I remember being away, like, I, perfect timing, we had booked a trip, and we, then <laughs> our construction got delayed, so I was away mid-construction, and I was in Alaska, and I remember just, like, looking out at this beauty, and then I just was, like, plagued with this panic, I'm like, what if it's tumbleweeds? Mm. What if no one comes? Like, I never really even, like, thought about it. We never talked about Mm. it. But then we were very pleasantly surprised. Like, the media event and, Mm. like, the two kind of press Mm. days were 
oh, like unbelievable. They were outstanding. And we just had such yeah beautiful reception mm. from this city, which has just been and I think confirmed what our our hope was and what our mm-hmm. research had told us. But yeah. to now see it in in reality and to see people. I mean, the first few days. Steph and I used to hang out in the hallway just before <laughs> classes would end because to see the look on people's faces yeah. when they would come out yeah. and that they had such a great experience in there, yeah. to see tears was something also, which mm. was really lovely to see that people were having those kinds of releases in mm. classes and really connecting with what was happening in the room. Mm-hmm. That for us, and we would walk back into our office and just squeeze each other's hands and be like, oh my gosh, we, we did that. Like mm. We built a space where people could feel that way. And that for us was just so affirming that mm. we were on the right track. Yeah. It's so nice. We have a community happy hour once a month. Mm-hmm. And it's always so nice to, to kind of meet and talk to the people who come here and for people to say thank you for building this. Mm-hmm. Like that was worth yeah. like every everything. Yeah. yeah. All the all the Incredible. all the ups and all the downs. Yeah. Like yeah. that really just kind of cements the mm-hmm. effort. And I think because you really did this to help people and that's yeah. what you're already doing with your work. So ultimately, this is the goal of this place. Exactly. We mm. always say we're clinicians first and mm. business people second. Um, you know, we're clinicians that built a business. And so that, that, that urge to want to help people and really what kind of really prompted home was because we wanted to do what we were doing but on a bigger scale mm-hmm. and then create a prevention piece around mm-hmm. mental health. And so, yeah, because it really much seems like obviously you've worked, you know, you do work in, in methadone clinics or in, you know, uh, addiction centers and so on. But this, this space is really to prevent getting yes. to that stage so that, you know, every, everybody can really have some mindfulness some meditation, some ways to deal with their stress in everyday life. So that they don't get to the next level of, you know, having a real health issue. Yeah. yeah, and that was a huge, I mean, and that, that was big conversations we had early on. So I worked in Emerge for five years as well as a psychiatric emergency room clinician. Okay. Wow. And Steph also did some crisis and community level work. So seeing all of these patients coming into the emergency department, we were seeing this huge rise in psychiatric patients coming mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the time, and I, I often will say it, it was feeling like we weren't particularly that helpful for right. people because they would wait eight, 12 hours, you know, because they came in because of, they had a panic attack or they're depressed or they're suicidal. And by the time they've waited for so long, then I'm giving them literally a little bit of advice, mm. a little bit of support, a pamphlet, and we're sending them on their way. Yeah, yeah. And it was just feeling like as a clinician, like I'm not really helping people. Mm. And we were always talking about that as like, where is the, like, how do we help prevent those panic attacks and those issues from happening mm. instead of waiting until we're in this sort of revolving door medicine that we're doing right now in Ontario um, and across Canada I think as well but yeah. our mental health strategies are not particularly that great or that supportive mm-hmm. to so many in so many ways and I think prevention first and focusing on wellness first mm-hmm. is so important. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about some tips for wellness, for self-care, for mindfulness. How can, and I think, you know, our our listeners are are women today who have busy lifestyles, busy careers, whether they're entrepreneurs or, you know, in in the corporate world. uh, How can we bring more of that um, that those self-care elements and that time for ourselves and maybe some examples also of what you both do to stay grounded and to uh, to stay mentally healthy on a daily basis yeah. um, I'm thinking of what our special day that we just I had I was just going to say so on Friday it was world sleep day so um, we... oh, I didn't even know that yeah. <laughs> and I had a horrible sleep oh, no. all of last <laughs> week I did not honor national sleep uh, day I should have come <laughs> <laughs> had I known. Yeah. 
So we both specialize in sleep, and I've done a lot of work with CBT mm. for insomnia. So okay. we actually learn how to. It's I always joke it's like sleep training adults instead of babies, and so you're re, kind of it's essentially so needed. You're relearning mm-hmm. how to sleep, mm. and we talked a lot about sleep hygiene, and so to really honor the day, we we went big, and so we had five specialty classes. We transformed the studio into this dreamland. We have an entire sleep line in our store now that we've created and just brought in kind of the best of the best to really ensure a good night's sleep. Mm -hmm. And so sleep is a big thing. And I always say like, if if I could prioritize anything, it's like sleep and meditation. Mm. And so sleep. And if you can't sleep, figure out why Mm -hmm. and do things to kind of encourage sleep or help, you know, come talk to me (laughs) and, um, and, and try to get more sleep. Mm -hmm. Like there's, there's no benefit Mm -hmm. in, in cutting back on sleep Mm -hmm. to, to get more done because you're actually going to end up burning Mm -hmm. yourself out. You're not going to, you're going to have slower reaction time. So sleep is the number one thing. I would say get more sleep. So sleep first, sleep first. Mm -hmm. Meditation. meditation second. <laughs> so yeah, meditation. I mean, we've created a space essentially around meditation mm-hmm. and the practice of meditation. And meditation is not just for relaxation mm-hmm. or anxiety or stress management, although it is, it can be used for that. But we can use meditation for creativity, for focus, for drive, for ambition. And so certainly as entrepreneurs and as businesswomen, that has been incredible for us, was the ability to use meditation to visualize what we wanted and what we see for this business. Mm. And so... Oh, that's such a good story. So that's been like so exciting for Mm. us is that meditation has many different uses and many different forms. Mm. And so... Sometimes we'll meditate here in the morning. Stuff's a big morning meditator, and that's more focusing a lot more on like the day and what we're working on and things like that. And it helps to ground us, I think, to be able to head into some of these meetings that we've been having or mm-hmm. deal with just sort of the ups and downs of entrepreneurship. And then I love meditation at nighttime mm-hmm. as a way of just being able to kind of come down from the day as a way of sort of shutting off and turning off my brain as I'm like easing myself into sleep. Mm-hmm. So meditation is certainly a top. And for someone who hasn't tried meditation or is feeling intimidated by meditation, what's a good way to start? Obviously come to home, take a, a meditation yeah. workshop. Yeah. Um, if you're not able to physically attend uh, a session here, what would be a good way to get introduced? I think there's a couple things. So mm-hmm. I really love apps and I always mm-hmm. really encourage apps mm-hmm. in my um, in my clinical practice. So Calm and Headspace are two really good ones. Insight Timer is a free one, which a lot of people like because it's really accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think having that guided practice is a really good mm-hmm. way to kind of just keep you on track. Mm-hmm. But then the other thing I really like to do is just kind of do something mindfully. So whether it be if you're going for a walk, just mm-hmm. really go for a walk, right? Like notice the trees. And now that it's getting nicer, I think yeah. it's a lot easier to do yeah. this. But like, yeah, now we actually want to go for a yeah. walk. Exactly. So like walk with all your senses. Like mm-hmm. notice the trees, notice mm-hmm. the smells. Notice... Don't be on your phone the whole time. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. Just kind of notice the you know, the, the sounds that you're hearing and, you know, the footsteps. And, and I think just kind of doing something mindfully mm. is a really good way to just kind of mm. get into that present moment mm-hmm. and, and just kind of really stay focused. Yeah, mm. and there's no, and I think a, a big thing to let people know is that there's no right way mm. to meditate. Okay. There's not, you don't need to be sitting cross-legged with your fingers, you yeah. know, your perfect yeah. posture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And saying om, mm-hmm. you know, that, that for some people is not a form, like mm-hmm. that's not how they would want to meditate. Some people may want to be laying down. Mm-hmm. Some people may be in their cars. Some people are just having a mindful drive. So figure out for you what works. And then the other is the amount of time. So it doesn't have to be these marathon 30 or 40 or an hour long sessions. Mm-hmm. 
five minutes, you 10 can minutes. start with five minutes. Yeah. So mm. make it accessible, make it easy mm. for you. Mm. And if any time we say any time spent with yourself is a win, mm. right? There's no right That's or wrong so true. way. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think another tip for, for us would be connection. So mm. we're starting to see a lot of research really supporting the benefits of human connection and having this sense of belongingness. It's actually been linked to increased life longevity. Mm. Um, if you look at some of the blue zones around the world yes. where people mm. live to like mm. 100 plus. I'm fascinated by the blue Me zones. Too, I, I, I was just in Nosara, Costa Rica really? and, and read so much about the blue zones. Yeah. <gasps> I find that fascinating. Mm. And so that sense of belonging, that sense of connection, mm-hmm. time spent with other people, not with a screen, like one on one, one on one, and really real humans. Yes, it plays such a big role, mm-hmm. and so that's really why we created the living room. Like, okay. So when okay. you walk into our space, we have this massive yeah. waiting room, huge and we call table, it a and, room. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's because we want to build that connection. We encourage, you can have phones in there, but we do encourage kind of unplugging if you can. Mm-hmm. And and it's so rewarding to see people who don't know each other talking. And we've had people that said like, oh yeah, I met someone at home and then yeah. we went and did a workout class together. I'm like, love it. Mm-hmm. Because we are star for human connection. And mm-hmm. there's nothing better than actually connecting with someone one-on-one, having a really good conversation or a really fun time. You feel kind of rejuvenated again Mm. you kind of feel refreshed again and so I think human connection is something that we're lacking as a society Mm -hmm. and I think it's something that we need to kind of put a little bit more focus Mm. on so interestingly enough in the blue zones another factor for you know increased well-being is women empowerment (laughs) all of the blue zones are found to have a kind of a matriarchal society and women playing a really important role that's incredible Mm. so listen to this podcast And then meditate and then right. make some friends in the in the Perfect. living room. We figured it out. Done. We're a blizzard now. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Toronto. <laughs> uh, what's next for the business? So much. We have a few. Yeah. So we have yeah. a few things that are coming up. One is we are always looking to add to our to our offerings. Okay. So we are going to be launching a really interesting class in April, which is sort of a, taking what we know about meditation and sort of flipping it on its head a little bit. So adding a little bit of a higher intensity element mm-hmm. to meditation, which is going to be really interesting for the city. Mm-hmm. And then we're starting to also move into some of the elect- like online space and just what that might look like for us in terms of having a wider reach mm-hmm. to more people beyond just this location. So could it be an app, something like that? We're looking into some technology. Okay. Yeah. So okay. we're just in preliminary stages of that whole build. So yeah. it's exciting, exciting and yeah. interesting and trying to figure out what how we can bring some of that mm. out, some of that meditation tech. Yeah. If you went back in time, what's one thing you would do differently? Like with the business? Could be in your life. Could in be personal, life. career, the business. If you could change something, if you could go back and change something, would you do it? And what would it be? Oh, there's so many things. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many things, but then there's also not so many things. I know. You know what I mean? Because like, I feel like everything happens for a reason. Yeah. Mm. And I feel like like I could be like, oh, I should. I wish I didn't do that. Yeah. But then it this was. wouldn't have happened. Mm. So You're such right. I don't know. I don't know if I would do anything differently. I know, because it's funny, because we joke that we would do all these things differently. I mean, I think, because even, I mean, knowledge and knowing things, I think part of this was learning as we went, which was so... I think early on, maybe do a little bit more research with some of the, Mm -hmm. some of the 
people we hired. I think probably, you know, we were, we went by our gut at the beginning and mm-hmm. cause that's what we knew because mm-hmm. we're clinicians. That's what we do. Right. Um, and we quickly realized that doing due diligence does play yeah. a big role. <laughs> that so was I'd something. Say, yeah. We were, Including we're, a real estate guy. I yeah. was going to say, yeah. yeah. And I think we're, we're quite, we were quite, and still are, but quite trusting, but also yeah. really green and also, also a little bit naive of, of things. And I think even very early on, you know, things like negotiating, that wasn't something that we did. Mm-hmm. And then we realized sort of several months in that we can negotiate every contract and <laughs> that when somebody offers something that we can sort of barter that or we can have conversations about that and to not shy away from those conversations. Right. Mm-hmm. We very early on, we were afraid to have conversations about money mm-hmm. with our business. And that was something I think that we all struggled with the first few months or even leading into opening was we have to talk about dollars and cents and right. it's okay to have those conversations. And We've, we're, we've become much better, I think, now with, you know, professional versus personal and, and getting better at these are conversations that we just have to have and that you you can be assertive and it's not aggressive to have these kind of conversations. And that was something I think I would have done differently early on was negotiate things better and, like you said, do do due diligence and mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. be more strategic with the people that we were bringing on to our, our team mm-hmm. yeah. early on, like some of our trades and some of our contractors and stuff. Yeah. If we fast forward 10 years from now, looking back, what will be the one thing that you'll be the most proud of? I think that we did it, to be honest. To me, that that we actually made this come true. I mean, I had these nights, some nights where I have a beautiful, like my condo looks out onto Toronto and I'd have these moments where I would just look out at the city and be like, wow, we built this. Mm. And that we actually took something and that we took that leap because there was a lot of fear and there was at least on my my end there was a lot of fear there was a lot of like are we for real going to do this Mm -hmm. and so for me the fact that in 10 years from now whether this place is here or not I think the fact that there was a moment in time where we created a space like this and it existed is really cool and I'm Mm -hmm. really proud of that and I would say I think because we stay true to ourselves um, you know, along the way, we've had a lot of naysayers. We've had a lot of people trying to kind of skew our original model and, you know, even down to like, why would you put a salt cave in? You know, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And we stayed so, we stick to our guns and, you know, everything that is in this place, it's what we dreamed of. Like, right. if you go back to that original, like, Word document that we were just brainstorming on our computer every script like down to this wallpaper like it's on here not this wallpaper thank you (laughs) and so we really I think we 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 believed in our model Mm -hmm. we believed in our vision so much and we stayed true to it and Mm -hmm. we stuck to our guns no matter how hard it was Mm -hmm. no matter how many conversations we had and I think that played a huge role because it's so nice when people actually recognize that Mm -hmm. so yeah is there a book that changed your life or at least influenced oh, your life? Oh my god, like all of them? <laughs> <laughs> there can be more than one. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, like I love, 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 love The Greatness Guide. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that book. I found so much of what I practice today comes from that book. So I would say that. I think about a book. And the only and like what gave me life during these last few was, was the how I built this podcast too. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Both of us. that was something we were on all the yeah. time. Yeah, that's a really and even good just way. websites. I've been like entrepreneur.com and like just trying to read. <laughs> yeah. I tell them all the time. I'm like, guys, I read some article on entrepreneur, and I've been just trying to read as much as I can mm-hmm. about that because 
and we've just been talking about like that these ups and downs are so normal and I was like these are part of everyone's journey in entrepreneurship is kind of this roller coaster of things mm-hmm. and helping us normalize the experience which mm-hmm. has been nice just hearing other people's journeys mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. even just little articles on other entrepreneurs mm. and that, that's actually what the podcast has been for me because just doing the interviews with all these amazing yeah. women you know business leaders or entrepreneurs was the best form of therapy the best inspiration must be. uh, because it's so it's so enriching yeah incredible mm-hmm. And um, what's a saying or a quote that you repeat to yourself or others all the time? Well, that's the one that we've been saying a lot here is do the best you can with what we have. Yeah, that's a very <laughs> right? good one when you're starting a business. Always. We're like, that's just do the best you can with what you have. And, yeah. you know. That's what we have been doing, really, with this business is sometimes it's not perfect. Mm. And we've become a lot better at accepting that that was what we had to give to that particular thing at that time and to accept that and to not hold on to it. Mm. And maybe not so helpful, but when things get really frustrating, we say, build a business they said. It'd be fun they said. <laughs> <laughs> that could be good release. Yeah, that's what we said. It would be fun they said. <laughs> they. <Yeah>. they. <laughs> Thank you to Caroline and Stephanie for such a great interview. Home was very generous in extending a special offer for listeners by using the code FEMALLEADS100, that's FEMALLEADS100, you can have access to a free class at home, 30 or 60 minutes. And that's using code FEMALLEADS100. Home will also be the setting for our first ever In Conversation with the Brand is Female featuring Janet Zuccherini, who was a guest on our podcast, and acclaimed writer Najwa Zibian. That will take place on May 14th, and you can visit thebrandisfemale.com or our Instagram page for more details. I hope you can join us. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and give the show a good rating. It does make a big difference. I'll be back next week with a new guest on the show. Thank you so much for listening.